Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to today's Reddit series video from the subreddit HFY called Absence Makes the Heart Part 5 Out of 5, written by MacDie. The remnants of his crew, a dozen veterans of far too many battles, quickly found their own means of coping with the situation. A pair of marines, the only two that had remained, sat on the shattered spine of the falcon, staring towards the distant sun, seen through heavily shielded lenses of their helmets. They shared a private conversation, a few final moments of honesty between two men that had been through too much together. Neither held any regret other than having been too afraid to be honest with each other. Knowing that the other could have died at any moment over the years of serving side by side, the chief engineer and his few staff had sequestered themselves together in a small storage chamber in engineering, the only room remaining that was even mildly airtight, and they had worked with a speed and diligence that they really openly credited for. Helmets off, they struggled to pour the last bottle of ship-brewed gut-rot whiskey into cups, a ridiculous task in zero gravity. Despite their pending demise, the joy of having finally won was enough that the small room was filled with laughter and mirth, not that the sound actually carried beyond the vacuum beyond its walls. Two others had wandered into the hull to the command ship, floating along the corridors and passageways that had been millennia without the presence of a living soul. Curious at what ancient secrets the alien ship held, not that they would ever get to share these secrets with anyone else. Ben sat on the bridge, absently turning over in his hands the bar that was once mounted on the ceiling above his chair. Through his HUD, an estimate of the location of Hope's torpedo continued to stimulate her location every time he glanced up. He was calm. It almost surprised him how calm he was, resigned to his fate but equally accepting of it. After everything he had done, all the lives he had ended, with worlds that he had failed to protect the ships that he had ordered to their deaths, the crews that had failed to save. After going rogue, stealing the last of the human fleet, defying everything that he had stood for, all the oaths of his government and his people, all of that, he had saved his daughter, or at least given her the chance to live. He had seen the enemy defeated, the actions of his crew, of his fleet, would save countless lives, lives across the galaxy, some that would likely never have learned what had caused the enemies to cease the attacks. Some that would live in blissful ignorance of what had been coming for them, but would never arrive. And whatever alien intelligence had created the enemy had sent them marauding across the galaxy would finally know defeat, failure, and perhaps gain a fear of the unknown of what their actions could bring upon them. Perhaps to say that they had no regrets was an oversimplification. A lie. He had some, many. He had failed his sister, knowing that she was dead, and not being supported by one of the enemy's infernal machines offered no real comfort. He had failed his people, his birth world. It had been reduced to an irradiated rock that would not know the warmth of life for a very long time. If ever again, he had failed his people, breaking away from the oaths of expectations of the military sworn to protect them as the rightfully elected leaders directed. And he had failed Piella. He had never spoken to her since the day he left the academy, had never reached out to her, never told her how he felt. 
He had learned, of course, that she had always known, still knew, knew probably that very moment how he felt. He had suspected for a long time, fleeting moments of emotions not his own, and hope had confirmed it for him, comforting in a way, but also another source of regret. She would know the moment he died, and he could only hope. No, he knew that she was strong enough to move on. Her own duty, her own responsibilities demanded it of her, and she was not one to fail after all. She would survive, and with hope and Jake, if he were still alive, maybe humanity would stand a chance in the coming years. As the other races of the United Worlds turned their eyes to the defenseless borders of humanity. The injustice of that knowledge, the certainty that the defeat of the enemy would only buy at most a few years of peace before one power or another made its move against them. It was infuriating. The other races had been spared the horrors that he and his people withstood, but not learned the same lessons were not tired of war and death. Those fleeting moments of emotion came up to him, a bold certainly, stalwart, defiant. He knew she was rushing towards him as fast as her ships could carry her, knew that she would never arrive in time to save him, knew that she was well aware of that fact, yet rushed anyway, and he knew that she would do all in her power to shield these people from what would come next. His eyes closed, he let his head rest against the back of his helmet, allowing himself to relax as he focused on the distant connection. You've changed, Ben. His brow furrowed, but he did not move. The voice hadn't come from the short-range radio, and there was no atmosphere to carry sound of the spoken voice. A moment of confusion, and then he relaxed and smiled. Both were rare display in the Commodore. I've grown old. Seen too much, done too much for any mortal soul. I'm sorry, I won't be here when you arrive. I know. There was a warm hand touching his cheek, and his eyes opened to gaze up at Piela. The ruin of the falcon was gone, and in its place was a garden walkways of the academy. He sat under the same tree the baby Trozes had fallen from. Piela knelt in front of him, smiling down at him with tears in her eyes that belayed the calmness of her voice. She too had aged, although not nearly as much as he himself. She looked so young still, although she had only grown more beautiful, not simply in appearance, but in her presence. Confidence gained from experience, an honest display of emotion in her eyes. A smile. He just stared at her for a moment with two living eyes. His implant was gone. The aches and pains of his war-worn body were gone. Tumors and cancer from prolonged exposure to solar radiation and the ship engines damaged in battle meant that he had spent every day in pain for so long. He would never have survived long after the war anyway. He brought up a hand to cup hers against his cheek, pulling it away to cup her hand between both of his gently tracing the soft, scale-like patterns that ran along the backs of the hands and disappeared into her sleeves. Hope is alive. She'll be waiting for you. Tell her I'm sorry that I never got to spend more time with her, that I'm proud of her, and that she still has a lot of work to do. A sad smile. The AI deserved more for all that she had done for him, for all of humanity. 
He couldn't even begin to imagine what she had seen in the enemy system of what they were doing across the galaxy. But he knew that she would weather that storm. She still had a mother, after all. I will. I'll do all in my power to help your people. She squeezed his hand in hers and then pulled them closer, pressing her lips tightly against his aged skin. I know, he said, stared up at her, studying her eyes. He didn't need to say anything else. She was in his head, after all. She knew how he felt, knew what he was thinking. So, he simply let his mind wander as he stared up at her. She watched him, gazing into his eyes. Even now, his face gave away so little emotion. But his eyes, many human poets and philosophers, had often written about how eyes were the windows to the soul, and she knew it to be true. They existed together like that for an eternity, and then he was gone, and she sat on the bridge of a ship as it raced between the stars. Jake and his crew were brought aboard with them with a torpedo loaded computer that contained Hope. Piella stood in silence in the main cargo bay. Her crew was busy tending to a few dozen survivors of the Prideful, and they left her alone. Or as best they could. She no longer shielded or hid her emotions, but shared them for all her crew, for all that knew her well enough to share a bond. Somewhere far away she felt her mother, the Empress, a sense of pride and sorrow in equal measure and something more, an intimate fondness, a feeling shared by Grand Admiral Sornon. Theirs was a relationship Piana would certainly be speaking to her mother about in time. She sat next to the device and lifted open the panel that shielded the monitor and keyboard, and humans had a strange love for such archaic devices and data input techniques. A love of all things redundant. Their ships even still contained archaic toggle switches and dials, rarely used, safe for when systems were failing. It was both quaint and oddly efficient. She found herself wondering why her own people had so long ago abandoned such practices and techniques. Shaking her head, she activated the microphone and camera built into the device and stared at the lens. I'm here, Hope. It's time to come out. There was a moment of silence, and then the screen flickered to life. Hope stared back at her, tears welling in her eyes. Her voice a bare whisper, as if her throat was raw from screaming. Her eyes puffy, and the tears no longer fell. I'm sorry, Mother, I, I couldn't. She smiled softly, and although Hope could not actually feel it, she gently stroked the device like you would a child's head. No, daughter, he was very proud of you. Weep for him as long as you need, but know that our work isn't yet done. She nodded quietly, but didn't speak. Piella found herself wondering how Hope had learned so much about emotion, about how to display it, process it. She knew where the influence must have come from, but she could never understand how Ben had done it. Never would, likely. He was gone, but their daughter lived. So many had died, but there would be more children born. More lives lived. Those that survived would create works of art, music and poems, paintings and statues. They would have adventures and live and tell great stories. They would build friendships and rivalries and would find love and perhaps no peace.
We have bridges to build, daughter. It is time the Cleasted and the humans came together. We have a lot to learn from each other, don't you think? Hope nodded and smiled softly, a bit of sorrow in her eyes chipping away at the AI contemplated what the future could bring. But she would always be watching the distant stars in the years to come. Because whatever had built the enemy was still out there and would be angry. So terrifyingly angry that someone had destroyed their toys. So she would work hard and build those bridges, do everything in her power, to help her mother, to help Jake and the humans, even the other races of the United Worlds that had turned such a cold, blind eyes away from the human plight for so long. Because she knew someday that whatever had built that enemy would come and try and exact revenge on whomever had thought to defy them. In the years that followed, the Empress of the Cleasted Empire stepped down. It was the first in the history that a living monarch passed on the title. And Empress Piela Alavrusi was crowned. There had been only a single attempt made on human territory in those few short years after the enemy had been defeated, and it had been a hard-learned lesson for anyone else that held similar intentions. Under the direct command of Princess Piela, the Cleasted fleet had raced to the defense of humanity, Cleasted warships had found alongside human non-FTL patrol ships and the Outsferenic Econic League, the conglomeration of a dozen consortiums, unions, and companies that were in truth little better than strip miners, slavers, and smugglers and pirates. Cleasted soldiers fought alongside human soldiers and militias, months of crueling ground combat as Ferenic Econic League slave armies and mercenaries struggled to gain control of resource-rich worlds and solar systems. Seeking to take the densely packed populations of human refugees for the work parties and slave markets. The Cleasted politicians and the Empress herself worked with a finally unified human government made of the remnants of dozens that had once ruled humanity. They devised laws, trade agreements, and common ground for emigration and immigration, found new worlds or defunct stations for the human populations to resettle, formed mergers between once rival corporations. Cleasted and human scientists joined forces to counter the Ferriot League's bioweapons and enslavement processes. Advancements in cybernetics, xenobiologies, medicines led to the liberation of the entire legions of Ferriot League slave armies, which eagerly turned their weapons on the mercenaries and commissars that drove them forward against the humans and Cleasted guns. The first joint-built warships of the human Cleasted Alliance left the shipyards more than two years after the defeat of the enemy. Built of human ingenuity and love of redundancies, armed with Cleasted weapons and power systems, the new ships cut swaths through the Pharaoh League's fleets of Q-ships and second-hand warships. The war had lasted two years, flared about across a dozen human systems, then plunged deep into the Ferenet League space before they had capitulated, lost many systems in reparations, and began to splinter. After seeing how much fight was left in humanity, how committed, the other races made no further move against them, and peace came once more. And when Piera was crowned empress, the two races celebrated. Jake Boronin, admiral of the human naval fleet, had attended her coronation, and the unveiling of a monument in honor of the crew of the Falcon II. Three lines of statues at parade rest, each with a plaque at its feet describing the individual's history, with a lone statue of Commodore at the front, with a smaller plaque.
If history were taught in the form of stories, it would never be forgotten. Rudyard Kipling We once stood on the precipice of extinction, wrought in part by the actions of an unknown enemy, but invited by the bridges we burned and the friendships unrealized. We, as a people, must turn away from our petty love of gold and power and build a future such that our children may know war only in story, not in action. The monument stood on the grounds of the Kishilandar Academy of Sciences, both as a testament to what could be achieved and in the memory of lives lost, but also as a warning about missed opportunities. The message was simple, but important. That no one should need to stand alone, that only through cooperation and understanding could anyone hope to weather the storm. And shortly after her coronation, the former empress of the Grand Admiral retired Sornan had vanished into seclusion, although Piella knew the two were quite content to disappear from the world and be alone together for the rest of their lives. Through it all, hope had been present, helping merge human and cleistic sciences and data networks. A year after the end of the Ferran and Concursion War, she presented her mother with something Piella had never expected possible. Hope's program could not be backed up or copied, but the coding could be reproduced, and through the loophole, Hope had created her first child, constructed almost entirely out of variant-designed simulated intelligence network, and a new hope for peace between humanity and the people of the former variant league. End chapter, end of series. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. I hope that you enjoyed. And if you did, please don't forget to support the author from the link down below. But if you want to support this channel, there are links as well down below for you to help with. But the easiest way would be to share this video. And if you are so inclined, subscribe as well. I will see you all in the next episode, and I hope that you all have a fantastic time until then. Cheers.